thank you. And we just, I pray for everyone in here, Lord, including myself, that we just want to stand before you and say, do with us whatever it is you want to do, Lord. If it's a hard word, yes. If it's a soft, Lord, we certainly need that. Sometimes you say that you are gentle. You also say, and David said, your gentleness made me great. Your gentleness does make us great. It makes us do great things for you. Lord, if it's a word of encouragement, if it's, if it's a word of warning, just make us ready, Lord. Would you do that for us in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So what do you do when you wake up one day what does a person do? And suddenly realize that you have spent years in deep, really ugly, really bad sin. Your sin has ruined all your relationships. Your sin has robbed you of your money. Your sin has destroyed your health. You believe there is a God, but you dismiss any possibility that there is anything you could ever do to be made right with God. In fact, the idea is laughable. You have violated anything and everything that God stands for. I have no doubt that there were people who fit that very description. In Galatia, this is a book that's written to the people of Galatia, the Galatians. Many fit that description. Why do I say that? Because in the book of Colossians, which was in the same general region, we discover the lifestyle of men and of the men and women of Galatia, and that was their lifestyle. Uh, here is Paul's description. We've seen it um, more than once already. It says this was their lifestyle. It was fornication, sex outside of marriage. It was uncleanness, speaking of sexual uncleanness. Let's try to do what's twisted and weird with sex. That's what that is, that word uncleanness. Uh, passion, there's good passion and bad passion. This is talking about bad passion and just giving into it. Evil desire, covetousness, wanting something that is not meant for, uh, God is not meant for you to have, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, blasphemy, despising words about or mocking words about God, filthy language out of your mouth, lying. Colossians 3 7 says, This is the lifestyle, speaking to people in Galatia, this is the lifestyle in which. You yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So these people really fit the description. They fit the description of a people whose lifestyle, uh, th their sin just worked death into every area of your life. That's what sin does. It says it works death. Uh, the book of James says it, uh, when sin is conceived, it gives birth, birth and it uh, works death into every area of your life. Um, and so these Galatians, um, sin had ruined their relationship. 
sin had robbed them of their money, that destroyed their health, their happiness and peace gone. That was an ancient memory. Any thought that there was anything they could ever do to be made right with a God was laughable. They had violated everything that God stands for. Um, and what could possibly undo what they have done? That's what Galatia was like. It was a region that didn't know God. It was, get your mindset out of the United States. Uh, at the time this, uh, these letters were written in the Bible, people didn't know about God. The little area around Jerusalem knew about God. No one else knew about God. They were called Gentiles. Jews called Gentiles dogs. Jesus, on one occasion, called Gentiles dogs. Why? They just did whatever they want. And, 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 and so, uh, what happens? Well, the story is in the book of Acts, chapter 13. We've been through it. Uh, and Paul comes into this city where you have these people who had the thought about getting right with God, laughable. They've gone too deep, too ugly, too much damage. And, and so, um, but, so, but he, he tells them, first, he tells them the bad news, which is, you are correct. There is nothing you can do to be made right with God. But then he gives them the good news. We see that in Acts 13. He tells them, since it is impossible for you to do anything to make yourself right with God, God has done it for you. He has so loved you, He has sent His Son, His only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He was crucified for your sins. He was punished for all that ugly, deep, out-of-control sin that, brought, that was bringing death and eventually hell to you. But Jesus took the punishment for you. He was crucified for you. And now you can be made right with God by simply believing who Jesus Christ is and what He did for you. And when you believe, if you believe, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life, who will live in you and through you and grow your relationship with God and other people. Amen. It says in Acts 13 that once that word got out, the entire city in Galatia, there are actually several cities, but the one he first went, the entire city came out to hear it. They couldn't believe what they were hearing. And it says many, those who were appointed to salvation, believed in Jesus Christ. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. And it says the people were filled with joy and gladness. Joy and gladness of being free. They were no longer trapped in this promise of of a future with no hope. Joy and gladness being also, by the way, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was now in them. And so um, Paul stuck around that region for a while and taught them, but then he went to another region to tell that region the good news. 
that it's not hopeless. That God so loved you, he has given you a way, a powerful way, a sure way to make your life right with him now and forever, an abundant life. So he goes on to another region. And sometime after he left, probably around six months to a year, maybe a little longer, some others entered into the region and they killed the joy and gladness of the people who were brand, by now they were brand new Christians, just baby Christians. And how did they do that? They came in and they said, Yes, what you have heard is true. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, died for your sin. But in order to be Christians, you have to follow the law. This big book, you got to do all of it. They didn't actually have books, but they had scrolls. You got to do this big book. You got to follow this law. And this big book requires you to go on pilgrimages to Jerusalem three times a year, leave your family. It requires you to uh, eat only certain foods. And men, it requires you to be circumcised. Their joy disappeared. Why? Because now the full weight of the law of this book was on their back. And how can I ever know um, if I'm doing this thing good enough? We can't. How do I know whether I'm really following it the way it says it's supposed to be followed? Their joy disappeared. Paul finds out about it. He's brokenhearted. He writes this letter, the letter to the Galatians. And again, in chapter 3, he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. Read it with me, verse 1. Who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. I clearly told you about Jesus Christ crucified and what it did. I described in gory detail how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross, how His blood poured out, covered His body like a a lamb that had been slain. Oh, foolish Galatians, how could you now think that you can try to add to what the Son of God did for you by trying to follow all the law? Don't believe these lies. Now that word bewitched, in verse 1, indicates that there was a demonic spirit involved. Now, if you don't believe in the devil or Satan, he's like this red guy with a pitchfork. Satan's got you just where he wants. Best possible thing is for you not to believe in Satan. Best possible thing that could happen in Satan's opinion is that you don't believe. But that's sort of another sermon for for, for another day. Um, The devil is... Always and ever about trying to lie about the fullness of what Jesus' death on the cross did for you. And he had bewitched 
the, 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 the demonic world. They had been bewitched by uh, the demonic world. Uh, if the devil can convince you that Jesus' death on the cross is something less than what it is, if he can convince you of that, it will rob you of your joy. And when you're robbed of your joy, you cannot bear fruit for God. And that's why this is such a big deal for the devil. Make Jesus' death on the cross less than what it is. Oh, how the preaching of the gospel of grace of the cross stirs up the demonic realm. I cannot even begin to tell you the stories of pastor friends and acquaintances over the years, the crazy, nutty things that they have gone through. Battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers, rulers of this dark world. I'm against the spiritual hosts of wickedness, the Bible says. And, 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 and just the crazy things. Um, um, remember our study in the book of Mark? It was so astounding how much demonic activity was around Jesus Christ. So many um, demon, demons being cast out. Why? The devil hates the freedom and glory that fall upon you when, that, when you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And nothing ever stirs up the opposition of demonic forces than Jesus himself. That's why there were so many uh, exorcisms. That's why he had to cast out so many devils. The devil was not happy. So Paul says here, O foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? A spirit got a hold of you. In the last 10 days, I was, in, I was at three funerals. Two of the people who died had lived a really long life. And they only became Christians really towards the very end. Now, Sometimes we say, well, how, how can that really be? And we get confused and we, we love them and like that just seems kind of crazy. It, what it is, it doesn't really make sense because our natural sense of justice, I mean, how can people just do whatever they want to do their whole life? Especially when we know, we've seen some of the things they've done and then just at the end of their life, actually give their life to Jesus Christ and go to heaven. And people mock Christianity because of that. But our problem when we doubt that, and the world's problem, because they don't know that, is right there at the end of verse 1. The, the cross of Jesus Christ needs to be clearly portrayed. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, says that God gave his blood for the church. God's blood. And God's blood is costly enough to pay for the sins of a man who's 100 years old and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And as crazy as that may seem to us in our natural sense of justice, it's the blood of God. It covers everything, including that. It says again in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, then at the end, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Verse 2. 
This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The Bible says that when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you first believe Him in, in the sense that you, He's my Lord, I'm giving Him everything. Not intellectually believe Him, but coming to Him and trusting Him. The Bible says at the moment you do that, Ephesians chapter 1, says that having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, meaning for all eternity, you're saved. At that moment that you believed, you're saved. You're saved from hell. You're saved from the misery of hopelessness. You receive the Holy Spirit. And the verse says, this only, verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so the point he's making is, just like this verse says, you don't receive the Holy Spirit by trying to be good because no one can be good enough to, 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 to deserve having the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, one of the names, the Holy Spirit has several names. One is Comforter. Another is the Spirit of Christ. You don't deserve the Spirit of Christ. I don't deserve the Spirit of Christ. No one has ever deserved it or been able to earn it, but the Bible, the good news is just by faith in Jesus Christ. Regardless of what our past history has been, we can receive the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, you foolish Galatians, did you first receive the Spirit by trying to be good or just by believing? He's saying it's, it's by believing, Galatians. Come on. Then he says in verse three, are you so foolish Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? In your own meaning, having begun in the Spirit, having begun, having done nothing to earn your salvation, are you trying to be made perfect or a better person in your own strength? So we start off with grace. Grace is what? Grace is when you deserve a punishment and you get a reward. Salvation is all about grace. You deserve a punishment, punishment of hell, but you get a reward. You get to sit in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ, the Bible says. So you start with grace. You give your life to Jesus Christ by putting your trust and hope in Him. And at that point, you get it. There's nothing you could do in a thousand lifetimes to try to be good enough for heaven. You get it. We need the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You get it. You get it. You, you, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and in a way that you don't understand, the Holy Spirit comes into you and applies that blood on the cross to your life and washes you of all your sins, past, present, and future. You get it. You're filled with joy and peace and power. You get it. But soon after, you get this natural impulse. Oh man, I'm a Christian now. That means I need to be like the best person at my work and the best person in my family. And, and, and what happens, here's what happens almost every time. And this is what happens. You, you, put, you, you start putting almost all your time and energy on figuring out how not to sin so everyone who looks at you thinks you're good. And, and, and we spend, you spend all your time um, uh, trying to be absolutely sure you're not sinning. And let me see now, uh, w w w now that I'm a Christian, what kind of catalogs am I allowed to look at? 
I know Victoria's Secret's out. I know that. I'm not stupid. What about Macy's? I don't know if I can handle that woman's section. I, I, I don't know if I can handle some of those things. The, 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 maybe I could just better stick with the Walgreens catalog. And, and, and it's just an obsession. And, and, and all, so what happens is this. Most of the time is fixing our attention on figuring out what Christians are not supposed to do rather than fixing our attention on God himself on this. On prayer, on being with the body of Christ, I'm just listening to other people who know better than me. And listening to people who know less than me. Best thing in the world I can do today is talk to a Christian one day old. They just, they teach me stuff. And so, um, but the problem is, and here's the crazy thing, is that, the crazy thing is that the one thing that is going to help you not to do what Christians are not supposed to do is to stop spending time, so much time, fixing your attention on what you're not supposed to do. Did, did, did anyone understand that sentence? There's one person, maybe two. We're doing the very thing that's going to prevent us from not doing what we're not supposed to do, which is take our eyes off Jesus. The more we put our, uh, spend our attention and our time on Jesus, the less we're going to be doing things we're not supposed to do. Does, now do you understand? Maybe most, I mean, that's like a long, weird, terribly phrased sentence. But the point is, when, when we first get saved, he's saying, you foolish Galatians. Maybe the Bible will say it better than me. Does any, anyone think that the Bible can say it better than me? Raise your hand. Please, raise your hand. Everyone's hand better. Be. It's this. Are you so foolish, verse 3, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? Does it not make any sense? Hebrews 12, 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking unto uh, how to figure out how to not sin. That's not why it says looking unto Jesus, the author and finishes, finisher of our faith. That's ever and always supposed to be most of our time fixed on that. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. So what does that mean? Uh, maybe an easier way of translating it is, have you suffered so many things for no point at all? Did you, you, did, did, you, did you suffer all kinds of things and it was just a waste of time, all your suffering? What, what, what is he talking about? Well, we read in the book of Acts, when Paul first delivered the good news of Jesus Christ to these people in Galatia, that the Jews became furious and a big-time persecution broke out. Paul himself was dragged out of the city, stoned and left for dead. Actually, he did die, we learn from 2 Corinthians. He was brought back to life. Many of the Galatians were persecuted as well. It wasn't just Paul, and that's what he's talking about here. You suffered, you suffered intense opposition. Some of them probably lost their houses, maybe even family members. You suffered all these things. Don't you remember what you went through? And why were you persecuted? It's because you believe that you were no longer under the Jewish law. That's why you were persecuted. So what's the point of where you're at right now? You, you've come to this place where you're, you're 
you're rejecting, you think you need to put on this big, big book on, your, on top of your, your burden, a burden you and your forefathers, you and our forefathers, the Jews, were never able to bear. And, and, and so it makes all your suffering now, it doesn't even make any sense. Look at where you foolish Galatians, look what you're doing. Just look in the mirror, look at your life. The book of James says, don't let us not as Christians look in the mirror, see clearly, oh man, I messed up, and then go away and forget what we saw, the mirror being the word of God. Verse five, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you, who supplies the spirit? Anyone want to say? Jesus Christ, God Jesus Christ. The Bible has reference to Jesus Christ supplying the Spirit. It has a reference to God the Father supplying the Spirit. If anyone ever wants to get into an argument with you about whether it was the Father or Jesus, don't get into that argument. It says both. A few, guy, a few of the guys and I are reading a book about all these people arguing about that. It says both. Who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or, or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So again, verse five. He who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you does he do it by you trying to be good? By you being good enough to get the answered prayer? Or does he do it because you are by faith praying? And then he quotes Genesis where it says in verse 6, Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So your prayer life, when you, when you guys read this, who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you? What, what miracles among you? Well, every time you pray, you're asking for a miracle. Every time you pray, you are asking. That's what prayer life is. Please don't be among the circle of, of people and churches are full of them. Oh, miracles are a thing of the past. Every time you pray, you're asking for a miracle. You're, after, you're asking for supernatural intervention uh, into your life. Now, he uses that as the example of that Genesis chapter 15. So take your Bibles and go back to Genesis chapter 15, the very first chapter, uh, very first book of, of the Bible. Genesis chapter 15. And this is what Paul in Galatians is quoting from. When he quotes Galatians 3.6, it says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He's talking about Genesis, something that happened in Genesis chapter 15. And so in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, Abraham is the father of faith. He's, all our, he's the father of faith. He's a, under Noah, the world was destroyed. And basically, God started all over again. The world got back to the very same place. 
that it did in the time of Noah, but instead of destroying the world through a flood, he called an Abraham, a guy named Abraham out, and through his descendants came Jesus Christ. So he's a real important guy in the Bible, Abraham. He's called here Abram. Verse 1, let's read it together with me. It says, After these things, the the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my own house is my heir. And so what he is saying is, in verse 1, God comes to him and says, I am your great reward. God is your great reward, Calvary Chapel. He, not only that, he's your exceedingly great reward. That's what verse 1 says. He's your exceedingly, he is. Believe it. But Abraham's, how can that be? I, I don't have an heir. You've made promises to me involving my descendants. I don't even have a child. So how can these promises that you gave me, which have to do with my descendants, ever come to be? I have no child. So in verse 4, God told him, it says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This one shall not be your heir. So he thought his servant, Eleazar, was going to be just a guy who worked in his house. You know, sometimes that happens. People die without kids. They give it to a friend or someone who worked for them. Give give all their money to them. That's what Abraham was going to do. But God said, No, that guy, Eleazar, your servant, he is not going to get your inheritance. End of verse 4. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then God brought him outside and says, and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham, verse 6, believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Meaning, Abraham believed the promise of God that he would have a child from his own body, and God, in response, the, the biblical word is basically is justified or saved him. He, he, he saved him. He, he, he put his... Uh, he justified him, just as if you've never sinned. And, and, and it's ba- basically, he, at, at that moment, he was forgiven, he was justified, he was prepared forever for heaven, just by believing the promise of God. Now, Paul's point in Gal- to the Galatians is, did he do anything at all to, be, to have God do that to him? Did he actually do anything? No, All he did, Paul is saying, was believe. He just believed the promise of God, and God said, okay, that's it. You're forgiven. You're saved. You're prepared for all eternity to be with me. Is everyone following me there? It is like that with you and me. Our prayer life. Remember, don't forget our verse. Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles, does he do it by 
the works of the law, trying to be as best as you can, or does he do it by the hearing of faith? I remember when I was born uh, in, in, in Massachusetts, I lived here for nine years, moved away, moved all over the place. 25 years later, I was living in Miami, and God said to me, you need to go up to Boston and start a church. And it was a very difficult thing, considering the particular profession that I was in, to switch states. And, um, but I did. I sent my resumes, uh, resumes up here, and there was a company that was uh, interested in me. And so I went in to see them. They seemed really interested in me. And, and then they brought me back to see them. And then like a whole month goes by, and it's like dead silence. And I called up the hiring manager. and said, hey, just wondering, maybe should I go up there again? Do you want to see me again? And she was as cold and distant and dead. I was like, I didn't get this job. I did not get the job. And... Uh, I'm telling you, it was a watershed moment for me in my life. And so we waited, you know, I, I kept on waiting, and um, then just like a day before Thanksgiving, I get a call, and I got an offer to come up here. And uh, it was just amazing what the Lord did. He brought my whole family up here. They paid for the whole thing. We, they paid for staying in Boston for six months. They, uh, they, 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 we, we got a house in, right nearby here. The Lord put us in. And I, and I, asked, I, I, I asked my boss, I go, like, what, what, what happened? Well, she goes, oh, yeah, you basically were not going to get hired. And she told me why, because the HR people the HR person, there was a woman, she really didn't like me. She talked with, this is not unusual for someone not to like me, but, you, you know, she, she really didn't like you. And, um, but then when, and she was just putting a block on it, but then one day, she just got removed and she went to a different job. But there was another problem, and that was the money that you were making in Miami, we couldn't pay you. But I begged and begged and begged and convinced my boss. The reason they couldn't pay me that was because I was one of about seven or eight other people who had the same position. But she went to my boss and she convinced him to give every other person with my, the, the job that I was given a promotion in order to hire me. I mean, that's just crazy. And just the way the Lord just removed the obstacles, just, just parted the Red Sea uh, for me to be able to go up. And, and, and I have like a whole page where I, I just see all the things. Um, um, but but wh why did all that happen? Was it was me try the point that Paul's trying to make, was, was it because I was trying to be good? God, I really want to go to Boston and I want this job and, and, and trying to be the best that I can do. No, he says, don't do that. Do, does, do miracles work in your life? Does prayer get answered in your life because of the hearing of faith or the works of the law trying to be good? It's the hearing of faith. It's, it's, it's believing God. God, I believe that's what you've called me to do. 
Not because I've been good. This whole life is about grace. The Bible in 1 John uh, chapter 1 says he takes us from grace to grace. And I'm not just talking about big things like, you know, Abraham getting a descendant that's going to descend onto Jesus Christ and Steve coming up to uh, Boston. This is everyday life, Calvary Chapel. You're praying every day. I I remember just a week or two ago, I read something in the morning and I was so utterly disturbed by what I read. (laughs) It just threw me in the worst kind of funk. It just so troubled and disturbed me. And all day I had no peace because of what I read. And, and, and I thought, you know, that there was a person that I thought was going to get, get into, it was in a whole bunch of trouble, like a heap of trouble. And, and, and I went to bed just as disturbed. I got up the next morning and I, I opened my devotional uh, my devotional, and in the devotional, it was from the it was one verse from the book of Esther, and the one the, the verse that it was was King Ahasuerus said to Esther, "I'll give you anything you want, up to half of the kingdom. Just ask for it." And the devotional guy, what he wrote is, "Now that you're a king, uh, you're a Christian, you can not only ask for half the kingdom." you can ask for, anyone want to guess? The whole kingdom. And I said, Lord, I'm a mess now. I'm in a troubled, disturbed funk. Would you just do, would you give me the whole kingdom? Would you, would you please uh, put my heart at rest and provide clarity to what is going on? And I am telling you, Calvary Chapel, within 30 seconds, a peace just flooded my soul. So I, the, the, the point is, the point he's making here is, listen, uh, does God work miracles? Does he answer prayers because you're being a good person? Don't do that Calvary Chapel. You, you need a promotion at, at work because you can't pay the bills and, and we go, oh, I, I got to start being real good. I got to start reading my Bible twi- twice as much as I already do. I got I to pray. I got to cozy up to God. That, God doesn't answer by the works of the law. He does it by putting it. Now, now of course, if you're in sin and you're holding on to it, you're prohibiting him. There's no expectation of answered prayer there. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you, you don't want to be superstitious. Any answered prayer you ever get is because of the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. And because he wants to do a great work of glory in your life. He wants to see glory in your life more than you do. Verse 5 again, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'm going to conclude with this verse Actually, if the worship team could come up at this time, that'd be great. But if everyone else could be looking at your Bible in verse 7. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So what that means is that you cannot say, well, I'm a Christian because I was born into a Christian family. 
which is a very, very common misconception. You're not a Christian because you were born into the Catholic Church or the Calvary Chapel Church or the Baptist Church or whatever church. No one is a Christian like that. God has no grandkids. He only has kids. I didn't make that up. Like a hundred other people made that up. It wasn't me. But he doesn't. You must become a child of God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Not trusting in anything good that you have ever done. But what the the cross of Jesus Christ, that, that bloody scene on the cross did for you. Again, Acts 20, 28 says, the blood of God purchased you. When you put your faith in the fact that that's what makes you right in the eyes of God, you're born again into a relationship with God. Why don't we stand up? If you've been asked to pray at this time, if you could come up. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. You know, we like to just have people up front at the end of the service. We just like to make ourselves available to anyone who, whose heart has been moved and needs someone to pray for them. For example, we, you know, we, we began the, the message today with What do you do when you get such a big, ugly history, a record of sin that's so deep and wide, you've hurt so many people, your relationships have destroyed, your finances are gone, your health, your joy, the thought of being made right with God is laughable. Maybe that in whole or even a part describes you. The Bible says that you can be made right with God. Simply by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. That means placing your whole heart. We're talking in the prayer service this morning at 9.30 a.m., Just praying for Christians who treat God like a cafeteria. So he's just one of the choices that they choose in their life. And they, they like to, that choice each week or once in a while because, man, it gives them warmth. It, it makes them feel good. It builds them up. Hebrews chapter 6 speaks about these people. They've never given their heart to God. They're treating him like a choice in a cafeteria. Maybe that's what you have, and, you, and, and you know, God's, not, God's not a choice in the cafeteria. He is the cafeteria. If you've never made God your whole cafeteria, 
come up and let's pray. I'll lead you in a prayer. Or maybe there's something else, anything really. Lord has stirred your heart. You're in a disturbed, confused funk like I was about 10 days ago and you just want someone to pray for you. Come on up at this time while we worship. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that you would just finish the business that you want to do so we can go out and be fruitful, Lord. You say in your word that by this my, glor my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit. Lord, that's the people we want to be. Finish out your work, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.